0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Little Wiser. This is your host, Kimmy Culp, and joining me is producer Erica Gerrard.
1: Hey Erica. Hi, how you doing?
0: I'm good. But I, I want to set the stage and the record on something. Okay. So many people, <laughs> listeners I've ever met and friends are like, so where what studio do you record at in LA? Where are your studios? <laughs> as if I have some like fancy studios. And right now, like everyone else during COVID, we have decided to sell our house. And I'm at my parents' vacant apartment uh, recording in a closet. And because there's no furniture uh, or clothes, I have a blanket over my head to prevent the echo from going off all the walls. So I'm in a vacant apartment with
1: a blanket over my head. (laughs) I love it. I think that means you're a a real, true blue journalist. Yeah. Ugh. When okay. you record with a blanket.
0: Yeah, yes. totally. Um. So, Erica, fascinating, fascinating Um. episode last week.
1: Oh, I
0: know. So good. Do you just want to quickly, high-level, tell
1: everyone who it was? Yes. So, we had the opportunity to speak with um, – formerly known as Juan Pablo Escobar, now known as Sebastian Marrocan, who is the son of infamous kingpin and drug lord Pablo Escobar. It was like, I,
0: he does not, um, he's not sort of readily available for interviews. I think he's pretty selective and cautious. So it took months and months of emailing and phone calls. And when he, like email that he was in, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I, as you know, I'm a huge Narcos fan. And um, anyways, I just, he, I'm so grateful in his trust in doing the interview. And I just learned so much about him. And really the, really the takeaway for me was our generational stories. And how often um, – and that they do really live live on, right? I mean, he never committed yeah. a crime in his life, but he says at the age of six, he lived the life of a criminal. No violent act in his life because that was his legacy. That was his father's story. And how mm-hmm. how much um, his story today still identifies him, even though he's a completely independent, unique hu- human being who, you know, was never a man of violence or drugs. So I think he's really, really – he was incredibly I, – I found him to be a deeply optimistic person, a deeply peaceful man, very much committed to his son and that this would never be his son's story. His son would get to write his own story. And so I think I connected with him surprisingly as a parent and also had like – I just found this empathy for being so deeply misunderstood. Um because of your upbringing yeah, and that in there was this tender, dear man. And I'm not sure I expected that, but I very much found that.
1: Oh uh, yes. I agree. That, that is, you said it exactly right. I found him to be so tender and kind and humble. I didn't expect him to be that way. And he kept saying over and over again, you know, just how grateful he was through, um, throughout, his life and finding those moments where he could really learn from his father and learn what not to become and what not to do and how to be the type of man that he could respect. Well,
0: even changing his identity, leaving the country, he picked his name out of a phone book, and really their identities had to be hidden. I mean, there was people in the world who wanted to kill them and would have. Yes. And he gets discovered, his true identity, right? He's, he spent a decade um, trying to protect his mother, his family. And then he says, you know, and ultimately it was a gift because he was set free, right? He didn't, he didn't have to hide anymore who he was. So like every time something like that happens in a story, like Narcos happens, the whole world, you know, again, hones in on him and his father and his story. And like each time he finds a silver lining that it allowed him, you know, to have a bigger platform to talk about peace or, you know, having his identity allowed him to step out of secrecy and he just I, I i think if you haven't listened obviously it's a fascinating subject in life but also a really
1: um dear man surprisingly just dear dear tender man now let me ask you because you're a big fan of the show i actually have never seen narcos mm-hmm. so but i've watched i'm a big fan of queen of the south which is also about um and we should say he is not a big fan of the show. <laughs> oh, of Narcos. Yeah, no, no. He is not a big <laughs> fan of Narcos. But as someone who is a fan of Narcos, a.k.a. you, yeah. um, what were the differences that you took away from the interview from being just a casual viewer of the show? Well,
0: I think they showed Pablo Escobar is the contradiction that he was, someone who deeply, deeply loved his family. Um, and that's hard to sever out, right? This man is responsible for 3000 deaths and 80% of the drugs in the world. And I guess you can't measure how many people that killed. Um, but he deeply loved his kids and you talk to Sebastian and he says he felt deeply loved and had a present father who gave him great guidance, you know, to be a good man in the world. So that was, Seen in the show, but then when you hear him talk about it, I think it's just kind of fascinating. But, you know, what he highlighted for me, which they made Pablo Escobar's life seem incredibly sexy and slick. And in the interview, you know, he talks about being blindfolded and moved to safe houses in the middle of the forest where they have millions of dollars but no access to food and they're not allowed to speak because the DEA is circling and that is not sexy or glamorous. That mm-hmm. is traumatic and terrifying. So that was really, I, I didn't know that until I, I heard that in the interview.
1: Yeah, that was so interesting. And I thought that really one of the the moments that stuck out to me was him saying that, you know, Narcos really portrayed his father as a, you know, sexy, glamorous, successful man. And that's the problem with shows that glorify gangsters and bad, violent people is young people then think that it's super cool and they want to be like that. And that is like a cool way to be successful in the world. But Sebastian was like, no, that is not. He is the least successful person in his perspective because he died at he died and he couldn't even enjoy his fortune yeah so he was 44 years old when he died and he missed all the important moments in his family yeah so that is not a success
0: yes correct um all right speaking of the next generation you have done your homework on where we are today with drug cartels which i don't i don't really know Cartel Land, by the way. Everyone watch Cartel Land. It's a documentary my friend Tom Yellen made uh, about drug cartels in Mexico. It is fascinating. It was nominated for an Academy Award, and it is...
1: I've heard that it's incredible. I haven't seen it yet, but thank you for the reminder. So, Erica, share with our listeners what you learned. Yes. Well, so, you know, in terms of drug cartels, Pablo Escobar's was really the one that reigned supreme and the seventies and eighties, it was the, the Medellin cartel. Um, and then after Pablo Escobar was killed slash died slash committed suicide, we don't really know. The Sinaloa cartel has really kind of taken over as the most powerful cartel in the world. And the Sinaloa cartel, Mexican drug cartel, um, the kingpin of the Sinaloa cartel was famously uh, has been arrested several times and has escaped prison several times. His name is El Chapo. You may have heard of him. Have you heard of El Chapo? Yes. Okay. So uh, El Chapo is still currently in prison, but the Sinaloa cartel is stronger than ever. And what's really scary about the Mexican drug cartels in this day and age is that they just really have seemed to break all the old rules against killing children and families and attacking foreigners that no longer appears to be a priority or a concern. Um, because, and the reason for that is because of the, well, there's many reasons. One is the weak law enforcement in Mexico. Um, And sadly, you know, there just really is no good solution. President López Obrador, who's the president of Mexico, has been in power for a couple of years now. And he has decided to take a radically different approach than his predecessors who started this kind of war on the drug cartels in around 2006. But he has kind of rejected this militarized war on the cartels approach. And his approach instead has been um, to try and create more opportunity in Mexico for young people and people who are trying to get out of a violent life of crime and and helping them find work. And it's a a great idea in theory. yeah, that's what you know, I was going to say, but so in application, it doesn't work. Well, it hasn't really worked. It, and a lot of critics will say that it hasn't really worked because violence is at an all-time high, deaths are at an all-time high. Um, you may remember the story last year, and this just tripped me out. Um, do you remember hearing about the Mormon family, the American Mormon family? No, was, tell
0: me what happened.
1: Well, it's been about a year now. Um And this Mormon family living in northern Mexico, they're in a community of Latter day Saints, were just violently murdered by um, one of the Mexican cartels. It was a mom, a dad, and um, many, many children. I believe nine in total were, were slaughtered. And it was just, it sent shockwaves around the world. It was just horrifying.
0: Yeah, and it, it it in cartel land you see that the um the access they had and the body bags and the funerals and the law you know families wiped out and as you said kids and you know I do know you know in my research about Pablo Escobar and and that decade and era as you said it was kids were off limits I mean in, in some you know in a weird way he was Robin Hood right he. Was going right. in and and almost doing what the president's talking about you know building soccer fields and creating <laughs> yeah. businesses and like building homes and and you see the opposite in Mexico with the cartels currently they're not going into the poor neighborhoods and building soccer fields with the you know gazillions of dollars they're making on drugs they're murdering you know murdering people and children and elderly people um so it is just kind of devastating and I and I don't know what the path out or the path forward is. Do you have any sense on your research?
1: Well, ultimately, and this is kind of big picture path out, but you'll find a lot of, you know, journalists or even just, I I actually read one cab driver in Mexico City who said, and I found this to be so poignant. He said, Americans are always blaming us for drug trafficking. But they always fail to mention that Mexico wouldn't be drug trafficking if they didn't have a giant pool of addicts in their country.
0: That's pretty fascinating and <laughs> true.
1: Sadly. Sadly. Right. That's what
0: I was gonna ask too. So where are the drugs going? I mean, is there did you did you, you know, get any sense about how much are coming to America?
1: Oh, tons. I mean, that we are Is it mainly cocaine or is it everything? No, it's, it's cocaine. It's, it's fentanyl. Surprisingly, it's fentanyl, it's amphetamines. Um, And during the coronavirus, it it has only gotten worse. People are, the demand is higher than it's ever been. Sadly. I know. I, you know, I, I,
0: when we were doing coronavirus episodes, I wanted to do one on people in recovery and addiction because I think it's a, scary time um for people in that space so it doesn't surprise me that the demand is up yeah well thank you erica for all of that information i uh it's the first time you're sharing it with me and i just find it really interesting um and sad all at once
1: yeah no problem i wish i had better answers or solutions yes
0: (laughs) i do too the world does too yes Alright well thank you everybody for listening and if you have not listened to Sebastian's interview I suggest you immediately listen because he really is just um, has so many stories to share that will make your jaw drop.
1: I just wanted to say thank you to Christian Kupch who sent us an email and provided some feedback on these a little wiser episodes and um, you know thank you so much for letting us know what, what you're liking and what we could do better. And if you have some ideas for us too, please give us a, a shout. Our email is hello at all the wiser or you can always find us on social media at all the wiser podcast. Um, and we would really, uh, really appreciate it. If you just shared an episode with your best friend, um, Any of our episodes, your favorite episode of All the Wiser, and let them know what it meant to you and why you're sharing it. We um, think it's a great time to inspire others with a little jolt of of hope and positivity. And um, that would be a great favor to us if you could continue to spread the word. Yes. Thank you. Amen and well said.
0: All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. And if you have not listened to last week's
1: episode now is the time. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care.